Thank you. Well, good morning. Please take your seats. It really is the most wonderful time of the year, isn't it? I feel there's only one, one appropriate thing to say this morning, and that's Merry Christmas. So uh, on behalf of City Point, Merry Christmas. Uh, <laughs> thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Um, we, are, we make a very conscious effort to celebrate uh, Christmas as a church. And I, I really feel, I don't know if you guys have noticed it this year or not, but you know, you can't separate the Christ out of Christmas. Have you realised that? And so we make a, we make a conscious effort uh, to celebrate Christmas and we understand that uh, Jesus is the reason for the season. Uh, he's the reason for Christmas. And so you might celebrate Christmas differently, but we want to celebrate it this way, this week. Um, so we're, we're in church today. We're going to be in church tomorrow. We're going to be here at New Year's. Uh, if no one turns up, Sam and I are still going to throw our service anyway. Uh, you know, I love, there's a, there's a passage in the Bible where Jesus says, you know, if no one was here to worship, the rocks would cry out to God. And so we just want to celebrate. We just want to party. Uh, my wife's a party animal. So really, really encourage you guys to come and, come and join, join along with us uh, tomorrow, New Year's. And, uh, and we're really pumped about next year as well. So our anointing with all service kicking off in January. Uh, this morning, I want, to, I want to speak about breakthrough. And uh, I'm going to try and feed a few Christmas stories in there as well, just to get you guys along. Uh, but did you see breakthrough uh, in the things that you were praying for this year? Uh, what are you believing for in 2018 and beyond? And, uh, you know, I believe as a church, and this is quite a seasonal thing, but I feel like in this Christmas season this year that we're in a particular season of breakthrough. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but, you know, we've had a whole bunch of praise reports come through in the last few weeks uh, of people that have been praying for things for two or three years and 100% out of the blue, uh, God's, God's done something. And, uh, you know, even just for Chelsea and I, there's a few things specifically that we've been praying for for, you know, well over 12 months. And uh, we, things that we'd been believing for, we'd been praying about, and we hadn't seen anything change. And then literally two weeks before Christmas, out of nowhere, someone rings up on the phone and massive answer to prayer, like literally out of nothing. And so I really feel that we're in a season of breakthrough as a church and I, I, feel, I feel blessed that I get to share with you guys about this. Um, and I really believe that God's actually going to do something this morning. I feel like in a, in a sense this morning is uh, a celebration of everything that God has done in our church. Um, and I feel like he's done a lot this year. I feel like there's a lot of people whose lives have changed and this morning is a celebration of that. And also I understand that there are people here that have been praying and believing for things. Uh, it, it might have been months, it could have been years. Uh, and I really hope that this morning will encourage you guys to, to continue on with your, your journey of faith. Um, so my message this morning is pretty simple. It really just comes out of one verse. And uh, that verse is Proverbs uh, chapter 13, verse 12. It says this. <laughs> I love this verse. Uh, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when desire comes, it's a tree of life. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, desire comes, it's a tree of life. In other words, uh, if you don't get what you want in life, you're probably going to be miserable. If you get what you want in life, you're probably going to be pretty happy. Okay? I, I love it. It's simple. It's applicable to everybody. You don't need a theology degree to understand this. Uh, in other words, it's saying... If what you're believing for is continually put off to next month, to next year, sooner or later it's going to affect the condition of your heart, 
but seasons of breakthrough will sustain your faith. Did you realise as a Christian you actually need to experience prayers being answered? Okay? If we never experience the good things that God has planned for us, we'll misrepresent the nature and the generosity of Jesus to society. Do you understand that? If you actually live life as a Christian and God never answers your prayers, the Jesus that you show to your friends and family won't be the correct version of Jesus. Okay? You'll show a, a powerless version that has religion but no power, and that's not what Jesus stood for. Okay? Jesus was the God of the breakthrough that actually answered prayers, and we need to experience that. Now, for me personally, uh, I try and live life in a way that, uh, encourages people. Does that make sense? Yeah. I don't know if you've, if you know me, you, you might have noticed, but um, it's pretty hard to get me in a bad mood, okay? If you see me smiling, that, you know, I don't know if I smile when I sleep, but I'm pretty happy most of the time, okay? So, <laughs> I, and I do that consciously because I really want to try and encourage people. I want to try and help people to go, you know, no matter what you're going through, I want to try and help you to believe that God would do something in your life, okay? And so I make an effort, and so this verse has a lot of meaning to me, and uh, I try and follow that as much as I can. And I feel like this verse, verses like this give people a lot of hope. You know, it gives people optimism. It gives people some belief that, you know, God actually does love you, that God does care, and that he wants to actually come through for you in your situation. Uh, one of the things, though, that I've been, I suppose, conscious of in my life is I don't want to be too over the top, you know? Like, I don't want to be unaware of the fact that sometimes we face difficulties in life. And I think everybody has those difficult times. And so there are times in my life where I go, I've got to dial the Dave down a little bit, okay? I need to dial the optimism and the, you know, the fun down a little bit because I don't want to seem too over the top. I don't want to seem too overbearing. But <laughs> I've actually realised that, you know, no one's ever been hurt by me being too optimistic, okay? Uh, no one's ever been disadvantaged by you having too much hope for a situation. You know, no situation has ever suffered because you had too much belief and too much faith that God would come through to meet a situation. And so I kind of wonder, I'm like, where, where did I actually get that from? You know, maybe it's something that I picked up as part of culture. Uh, maybe it's something that I picked up when I was a kid. I'm not really sure, but I know one thing's for sure, and that's that I didn't get it from God, and I didn't learn it from the Bible. Okay? So this morning I want to, I suppose, ask the question... Can we be responsible by believing for more? You don't, you don't serve the world by believing for less, okay? You don't serve your family by setting lower expectations for, for God, okay? And I'm not t talking about how you treat your spouse and your kids, but you don't serve your family by believing for less, okay? You don't serve your workplace by having a lower expectation of what God can do. And so I really feel this morning, this is the question first and foremost, is can you be responsible to believe that God would do something better? Can you actually believe on behalf of your children that God would do greater things through your children than he would through us? Can you believe that God is generous and would bless you beyond your needs so that you would be able to bless somebody else? Can you believe that God would actually work through you? Okay, for the people that are in your life, for your, for your family, for your friends, could you actually believe that God would do something 
through you to affect someone else? And so I believe that's the question this morning. And I want to say this. We have to let our faith take us where our experience hasn't yet been. One of my one, one of the favorite things, one of my favorite things that I say a lot, and people have started saying it back to me, is you know your best days are ahead of you. Do you actually believe that? Do you actually believe that your best days are ahead of you? Uh, just just this kind of popped into my head this morning. Um, one of the statements that I love out of uh, of Acts chapter two is um, the disciples are trying to explain what's happening. So the Holy Spirit turns up, and there's this this all these miracles are taking place, and things are happening. And uh, one of the guys gets up to speak, I think it's Peter, and he says, and he's talking about it, and he's using scripture to try and explain what's going on. And he says this, he says, young men will see visions, and old men will dream dreams. Young men see visions, old men dream dreams, okay? I actually thought about that, like, we all dream, when you're young, when you're old. So why did he specifically say that old men would dream dreams? I believe it's because one of, the, one of the signs that the Holy Spirit is alive in the hearts of people is that old men who have had dreams and put those dreams away would start to dream dreams again. Yeah. Yeah. That for the things that you once dreamed about, the things, the, the, whatever it is in life that you aspired to, maybe you've put them away, but one of the signs that the Holy Spirit is alive and well in your life is that you would start to dream the dreams again. That you would start to actually believe that God could do the things that he's promised. You know, we actually need to have a belief that our best days are ahead of us. We need to believe that good things are going to come in order for us to live a healthy way where our prayers are answered and the Holy Spirit is at work in our life. Uh, I want to look at two stories this morning, uh, just to put this in a, in a little bit of context. Uh, the first is the story of the wise men, and, and Kay and Sam... Uh, both spoke about this a few weeks ago. It's such, a, it's such an awesome topic. It's really interesting. Uh, and the second story I want to read uh, is Jesus coming to Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, right? And uh, both of these stories are stories about Jesus being the king, okay? Now, I just want to put this in some context. So there's two stories. The first is uh, the wise men coming to find Jesus. And the second story is the disciples and the people of Jerusalem trying to anoint Jesus as king, all right? So the context of this story is this. Uh, If you were Jewish and you lived at the time of Jesus, absolutely everything in your culture, okay, your your whole national identity, your, your education system, your history, your economy, your society, your political system... Uh, absolutely everything was based around this fundamental idea that you were the people of God, okay? This is how they actually believed. And the most significant position in their culture, okay, the most important position was the king, all right? The king of Israel was the most revered uh, position of stature and significance in all of Jewish culture. So when you were a Jewish kid... You learn history, okay? You learn history from your parents and your grandparents and your great-grandparents, and you would learn about the, the kings of Israel, and you'd learn about the golden age of King David and King Solomon, and, and about how blessed the nation of Israel was and how prosperous they were and they were protected. Um, and then you'd start to learn about how those kings passed away and were overthrown, and how the nation of Israel was basically subjected to foreign rulers. So as a nation, they were conquered and they lived under all these different kingdoms, right? And this goes on for about a thousand years. 
And you'd also learn about these prophets over this 800-year period that are prophesying that one day the king is going to come back. Okay? Sooner or later, the, the king is going to come back and the nation of Israel is going to be restored. So the backdrop of these two stories that I'm about to, about to read uh, is about Jewish people that have, been, that have known the history of the kings of Israel and they've been waiting for a thousand years and for a thousand years prophets have been prophesying that a king is going to come. Okay? It feels like Lord of the Rings, doesn't it? You know? It's actually straight out of the Bible. And so this is the way that people are thinking when these stories take place. Okay, so the first story is a story of the wise men. It's in Matthew chapter 2. And it says this, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, uh, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? Okay, we saw his star when it rose and we've come to worship him. And then we jump down into verse 10 and it says, When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So in a culture that's been waiting a thousand years for a king, a bunch of wise men see a star. (laughs) Just get your head around that. A bunch of wise men see a star in the sky. They follow the star and they find a kid a baby who's been born to a virgin teenager, and this is what they say. Uh, Where is the one who's been born king of the Jews? Okay, They didn't come and recognise him as Jesus. They didn't come and say he was the salvation of the world. They come and they said, he's the king of the Jews, right? It's really significant. Now, we pick up the story about 30 years later uh, in Matthew 21, and this is the story of Palm Sunday. So, Obviously, the disciples have been hanging out with Jesus. He's about 33, roughly years old. They've been living with him for three years. And he's been traveling and coming back into Jerusalem. And we pick up the story and it says, uh, They brought the donkey and the colt and they placed their cloaks on the donkey for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, the significant part of that story is, once again, Jesus is traveling. He's coming back into Jerusalem and a big crowd comes together. And the important part is this. They're not coming to go, Jesus, the salvation of the world. They're not coming to say, Jesus, the miracle worker or Jesus, the prophet. They're laying it down and they're shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Okay. David, who was the king of Israel a thousand years earlier. So these guys are pumped. They're they're trying to actually get Jesus to become king. So they bring him back in and they wheel him in and they put on this big ceremony and they're actually trying to anoint Jesus as king. Okay. Now, we all know the story didn't actually end that way, or at least the way that they were anticipating. And only a few weeks later, basically, Jesus is assassinated. Okay. So Jesus is crucified. And the most important part of the story is that Jesus comes back to life. And what I find is, is actually really interesting is when Jesus has come back to life, he comes and shows himself to the disciples. And the disciples actually ask him the same question again. This story is in Acts chapter 1. And they say, Jesus, is this the time that we're going to anoint you as king? They go back and ask the same question again. And they go, is this the time that you're actually going to be the king? Because they don't, they don't grasp the concept of time. They don't understand what Jesus is trying to do. And they just think that he's going to become the king of Israel. 
and re-establish their nation. And that's their perspective of what's going on. Now, the reason I read those two stories is to point this out. The timing wasn't actually important because Jesus was always the king. Okay? When the disciples came, sorry, when the wise men came and found him, uh, Jesus was already the king. They came and honoured him and said, where is the king of the Jews? He was the king then. When the disciples couldn't make their mind up as to who he was, and they kept asking Jesus, is it time yet? You know, is, is it time for you to become the king? Jesus was already the king now. And I want to say this, 2,000 years, 1,000 years later, Jesus was still the king. 1,500 years later, 1,650 years later, you know, the Industrial Revolution, Jesus was still the king. Uh, 2,000, when the millennium bug didn't wipe us out, uh, Jesus was still the king, right? Are you getting my point here? We think the timing is important, but the timing is somewhat irrelevant because Jesus has always been the king. And so my question this morning is, which person are you going to be? Are you going to be like the disciples who spent three years with Jesus and saw him do signs and wonders and miracles and yet continue to ask the question, is it time yet? Or are you going to be like the wise men who by faith pulled something, they pulled an honour, Think about this. They were able to honour the yeah. king of Israel, the king of the world, back when he was a baby. Yeah. They took something that was for another day and they pulled it into their day. Yeah. So my question is, which person are you going to be? Wow. Are, you, are you living life waiting for something to happen? Are you, are you living your life waiting for Jesus wow. to do something? Or are you going to make a decision to go, I'm going to believe that I can take something from tomorrow and pull it into today? Because that's the difference between inactivity and faith, okay? If you're, I don't want to be static. I don't want to live my life just waiting for God to do something. I want to actually try and get as much of, as much as I can get from heaven into here. And if I try and take too much and God says, no, you can't get that much. You're going to get that when you get there. I'll be fine with that. But I want to try and pull as much as I can into today. Does that make sense? I want to, I want to pray. I want to pray for the sick here because we won't get the chance to pray for the sick when we're in heaven because there won't be any sickness. Okay. So if you want to make a difference for God, if you want to make a difference in your family, don't worry about what's going to happen later. You need to do it now. Okay, we actually need to have faith that we could believe and pull something that could be for tomorrow and pull it into today. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but desire fulfilled is a tree of life. What are you believing for in 2018? Uh, <laughs> we, we need to dream big. Uh, we serve a big God and we need to represent him in a big way. Uh, I've got a verse I want to read, but... There's this one story that stood out to me. I don't, I don't want you to feel bad for me, right? Whoever had that experience when you were a kid that you didn't get what you wanted for Christmas? <laughs> Come on. You will put your hand up. Don't, don't be sinners. Don't be liars here. Come on. When I was, a, when I was about five years old, my, da- my father bought a motorbike, right? And uh, he was pretty cool, like at least for a period back then I thought he was cool. And, uh, you know, now he, he's still cool, but he's pretty old. So he's, he's, he's kinda, it's kind of gone down a bit, you know, you know what I'm talking about. And uh, anyway, so anyway, my dad had a, boat, my dad had a motorbike. So he was, the, I thought he was the coolest guy around. And uh, for some reason, I can't remember actually why, but on a Saturday morning for like a period of months, we would go to the bike shop. I'm assuming it's because he bought a bike. I've never actually gone and asked him. Anyway, and 
when you, when you walked into the shop, it was in, it was in Toowoomba, and the bike shop was like, an, like indoors, and as you walked through the front door, there was this yellow Peewee 50, right? Sitting on like a little stand. And, and the, those marketing people knew what they were doing because they knew that every kid that walked in the door was going to go, I want that. I want that motorbike. And so I remember this so clearly. And I was like, I want the motorbike. You know, I want that yellow Peewee 50. I don't even know how to ride a push bike, but I want this thing. Like, I really want one of these things. And so I remember saying to Dad, Dad, can I get the motorbike? And he'd go, no, 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 no. And so, I don't know, for whatever reason, two weeks later, we'd be back in the motorbike shop and I'd go, Dad, can I get the motorbike? And he'd be like, no, 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 no. And it was getting closer to Christmas, and we went in there this other time, and I said, Dad, can I have the motorbike? It's Christmas time. Can that be my Christmas present? And so Dad had to sit me down, and he had to give me the talk, right? And if you've got kids, you've done this talk, right? And he said, you know, son, money doesn't grow on trees. Okay? And I thought, of course it doesn't. I've never seen a money tree in my life before. Of course it doesn't grow on trees. And he's like, money doesn't grow on trees. And he explained to me how, you know, I should believe for less and I should expect less in life and that way I won't get disappointed at Christmas time. Who's had that discussion with their kids? Have you ever had that discussion with your kids? <laughs> Sam never has. <laughs> you must have a big bank account. Anyway, my point is, at some point in life, People try and condition you to dream smaller, you know? I, I, I've got one particular friend who um, grew up in a very wealthy family. It's really interesting to spend time with him because he has no concept of dreaming small. Because he's never had anything in his life where he said, hey, I want to do that. He's never really had a position where someone's gone, well, you can't do that, you know? I want to fly a plane. No worries, let's go fly a plane. You know, I want to get a pilot's license. I want to get my pilot's license. No worries. You want to go and do it? Let's go and do it. And it's really interesting how differently someone like that will view the world than someone who's been told for their whole life, lower your expectations. And so I feel there's a, I feel there's a parenting tip there, you know? Like, I don't have endless resource, but I still want to teach my kids, if you want to dream big, dream big. And I'm not going to say no. I'm not going to say yes, but I'm probably going to say not yet. You know? I've learned, I've learned this. Men, if, you, if you're married, take this tip from me, all right? If your wife asks you for something and it's just, it's just crazy, okay? And you all, know, you all know what I'm talking about because you've all been in this situation. Your wife's up something crazy. The answer is not no, very rarely. The answer is not yet, okay? My wife said to me last week, you know, because we're building a house. I want, actually, I want a house with a pool now. And I'm like, oh, I took everything in me to just go, no. But the answer is not yet. Why? Because I'm actually trying to teach my wife that the answer is yes. Come on. I, I want my wife, this is, this is serious, I actually want my wife to know the answer is yes. I want her to know that whatever she dreams about, whatever she sees in the future, the answer is yes. Okay? She, I don't ever want her to come to me and say, I've actually toned down my expectations on life because we've been saying no for 10 years or because we can't afford it. I don't ever want her to tone down what she believes she, she can achieve in life because I've been saying no for 10 years. I want her to believe that everything is achievable. I want her to believe that God is big enough to do everything that she hopes for. I don't want to get in the way of that. I want her to have faith that she can believe for something greater and pull it into this time frame. So the answer is never no. The answer is always not yet. Okay? Until it's a Yes. And so I want to say that this morning, we need to dream big. We need to raise our kids to dream big. And if there's something that's been causing you 
to try and dial back your expectations, I want to say, you can identify it, but you didn't get it out of the Bible. Okay? You didn't get it out of God. You didn't get to the point where you went, you know, if, you, if you're trying to find a scriptural reason to wind back how good God is, I'd say you need to challenge your theology. Okay? Um, <laughs> a, guy that I, a guy that I really look up to, a guy called Bill Johnson, says, uh, the goodness of God is the basis of all theology. Okay? So if we are believing something, if we're finding a reason to believe for less or finding a reason to believe that God isn't as good as we could think he is, we need to rethink how we're reading scripture. Does that make sense? Uh, I just want to give you three quick points this morning. And I, I, don't want to, I don't want to gloss over this, but there's been times in my life where I've prayed for stuff and haven't seen answers. You know? <laughs> well, I mean, this is a pretty serious when you think about it. I think of some of the scenarios, you know. Um, we've, been to, we've been to funerals for situations that we were believing for a breakthrough and for whatever reason it didn't turn out the way that we wanted. Wow. You know what I mean? It's quite a sobering experience to sit at a funeral and go, we prayed for this and it didn't work out the way we wanted. And so I don't want to gloss over that this morning, that there are some reasons why we don't see prayers answered. I'm just going to quickly touch on three of these this morning and this is just a disclaimer. Um, this is not an exhaustive list. You know, if, if you're praying and, and for whatever reason you aren't seeing the answers yet, uh, there could be a list as long as your arm and, and I'm not, I can't, don't have time and I would, would not even know where to start with, you know, exhausting all the reasons of why that is. So this morning is not going to be uh, a massive list of why God hasn't answered your prayers. I just want to quickly touch on the three that I've got time for this morning. Uh, and the first one is this. Um, why hasn't God answered your prayers yet? Big things start small. Yeah. Big yeah. things start small. I went to a conference this year, a uh, fantastic conference speaker, and she wrote this on the, on the, on the flyer, on the, on the marketing. It said this, uh, you see seeds, but God sees trees. That's Pastor Kay, by the way. <laughs> You see seeds, but God sees trees. Sometimes we're praying for a situation and we're looking for a forest and God gives you a bag of seeds and a watering can. Have you ever realized that? I I actually love the story of the wise men. I know I mentioned this before, but, you know, it's kind of interesting that the Bible calls them the wise men. And the only thing really that they did different to anybody else is that they recognized Jesus when he was a baby. Have you thought about that? They, didn't rec- they weren't the disciples. They didn't wait till he was 30. They didn't wait till they'd actually seen God do the signs and the wonders and the miracles before they said, this is Jesus, he's the king. They were back at the start with a kid in a manger going, this is the king. Yeah. And that was the difference between the wise men and everybody else is that they recognized something when it was small. Uh, <laughs> it's really interesting to think about your kids. How often with your children... Do you go, I'm trying to teach you something, I'm trying to get you something, and so, you know, like we've loaded our kids up on, on an insane amount of sugar over the last week, and it's like, look, if you can just be, if you can be good and learn how to be cool with the one snake that we get you, mum might let you have the bag, which is, you know, hidden in the stocking. You know what I mean? And so you're trying to teach your kids, if you can be good with the small things, then maybe you can be trusted with the big things. Yeah. Just a thought, maybe some of the reasons that God hasn't answered the way you think that he's going to answer your prayers is because you're looking for a forest instead of a tree, okay? So we actually need to recognize that big things start small 
and, and, be, and be a good steward of actually <laughs> of what God's given you. You know, if, if you've asked for a million dollars and God's given you a thousand, I'd start praising over the thousand. Because if you don't know how to manage that, you're never going to be able to manage the rest. So keep an eye out to notice that big things start small. Uh, number two is this. Watch what you say. <laughs> uh, you know, the Bible says that life and death are in the power of the tongue. Have you thought about that? Life and death are in the power of the tongue. Uh, if God is giving you something small, you're going to need to protect it. And it's important not to kill it with your words. Okay? You need to be careful with your kids when they're young that you speak the right words. I actually love this story uh, in Luke chapter 1. It's, it's kind of part of the Christmas story, I suppose. Um, and it's the story of John the Baptist. Anyway, I'll quickly read it to you. Luke 1, 18 to 20. And uh, it says, Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well advanced in years. Now, <laughs> um, do the context, right? So Zechariah and Elizabeth, uh, they've fallen pregnant. They're both really old. And an angel has turned up to Zechariah and he's saying, your son is going to be John the Baptist. And he's giving him this rundown, right? And I know that Zechariah was a, was a man that knew how to speak because he said this, I am an old man and yet my wife is very well advanced in years. Okay, he didn't say. He think about this. He didn't say my wife and I are old. He said I am old, but my wife, she's well advanced in years. Okay, so Zachariah was smooth. He knew what he was saying. He knew what he was doing. And the story goes on. And the angel said to him. So he. So the angels turned up, and he's questioning. He's like, how can this happen? And so he asked the question. And this is what happens. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you, and tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day that this comes to happen because you did not believe my words which will come true at their appointed time. So the angel turns up to tell this guy what's going to happen and he bluffs, you know. He kind of blows him off. So the angel says, right, I know what I'm going to do. You're not going to speak. You're not going to speak for eight months until this has come to happen. Why is that? Because your words create worlds. Okay? You need to be conscious of the way you speak. Maybe for you, the first thing that you'll need to learn how to say is nothing. When I, uh, when I first got saved, I like to talk a lot, you know? That's why I'm up here. Uh, when I first got saved, the first thing I had to learn was how to say nothing. Okay? Because what you say is important. And it's only been the last maybe two or three years that I've had to shift my thinking from... I've spent a long time learning how to say nothing and now learning how to say not just something, but saying what's the right thing for the situation. Okay? If you're praying for something and you're believing for something, the first thing you need to do is don't say something stupid. The second thing you need to learn is what are the things that I actually need to be saying? What are the, what are the seeds I need to be sowing into my life and believing that God is going to do something with? The third thing is this. Uh, mend your nets. If you're expecting to catch fish, mend your nets. Yeah. There's a story in the Bible where Jesus goes and finds a few disciples and they're mending their nets. They're fishermen. It actually says that they're sitting there stitching them back up. I've got no idea what their fishing nets look like. My fishing skills are terrible. But the point is, they were mending their nets because they were expecting to catch fish. Okay? God loves you too much to go and destroy you 
with more blessing than you know what to do with. So if you're praying for a situation and you're believing that God is going to come through, you actually need to have a plan in place as to what you're going to do when that happens. Okay? If you're believing for finance and your budget's a mess, there's a high likelihood that you're not going to see that breakthrough the way you expect. Because if you can't manage what you've got, God's not going to kill you by pouring more on. Okay? And I don't mean that in terms of if you need a job or if you need support. That's, that's a different situation. What I'm talking about is if you're praying for resource, you need to be able to manage what you've got well so God can say, this person knows what they're doing and I can afford to give them more. Okay? If you're believing that God's going to use you in, maybe, God, maybe you're hoping that God's going to use you in ministry, you actually need to have a plan of how you're going to go and actually influence someone's life so God can anoint you to go and do something. Do you know what I mean? If you're believing that God wants to use you to go and heal the sick and do signs and wonders and miracles, you actually need to have a plan in place so that you can still love your family and yet actually get out in society and establish the kingdom. Because if you're not going to go and do it, God doesn't need to anoint you so you can just have a fun time by yourself. You know, (laughs) I've noticed that when God tends to turn up in a situation, He doesn't just want to benefit you. He's probably going to benefit someone else through you. So if you're praying and you're believing that God's going to use you for something powerful next year, you actually need to have a plan and a vision of how you're going to actually be able to outwork that to someone else, to your family, to your colleagues, because it would be, it would be unwise for God to go and lump blessing and anointing and power if it's only going to destroy you. So this morning... If you, forget, if you forget everything else, I just want to leave this with you. Uh, can you believe for more in 2018? Can you actually believe so that in 2018 you can pray and you can actually exercise some faith to go, I'm going to pull something from heaven or I'm going to pull something from my future and I'm going to pull it into today? Because that's what's going to make the difference. It's going to be about what can we actually go, what have we got to give Can we actually go and believe that God is good? Can we actually go and believe that He does want to do signs and wonders and miracles and heal the sick and raise the dead? Can you actually have faith? And the first step is, can you believe for something more in 2018? Uh, I want to pray for two groups of people this morning. Uh, The first is, there might be people, maybe it's you, you're here for the first time. Maybe you're here as a guest, you're here as a visitor. Uh, and we want to say as a church we believe that God is good we believe that he's alive and that he's powerful and that's why we speak about things like this that's why we talk about having belief is because we actually believe that God is going to come through in your situation and maybe you've never encountered that before maybe you've never even heard anything like this spoken before and you're going I don't know what this is but I know that I need something in my life maybe you've been searching for something Maybe you've been looking or maybe you've just come to the end of your rope and realised that whatever you've, whatever you've been doing isn't working and you've just kind of stumbled in the doors. I want to say this morning that what you're looking for is Jesus. He's the God of the breakthrough. He's the God that provides provision. He's the God that blesses you. He's the God that protects you. And so if we can all just bow our heads and close our eyes. For those people, I want to give an opportunity this morning. You know, God's not angry. God's not overbearing. 
He loves you. He wants to bless you. And so if you're here this morning, I want to give you the opportunity to respond to that and say, Jesus, I need you. No matter what the situation is, it's, it's nothing spectacular. It's nothing crazy. It's just saying this, Jesus, I need you. So I want to ask you this morning, if that's you, no one's looking around. I just want the opportunity to pray with you, but I'd just like quickly like you to raise your hand this morning. I see those hands. You can put them down. Bless you guys. Bless you. Jesus, I thank you for these brave people that have recognised that they have a need for you. Father, and no matter what situation that they're in, whether they've just realised that what they're doing isn't working, Father, we want to declare that you are the King, Lord God, and that you have a plan to prosper them and to bless them. And Father, this morning we invite them on this journey. And Lord, we pray that you would be at work in their lives. We ask your Holy Spirit to be at work to encounter them, Lord God, that they would come to know you and meet you in a powerful way. Uh, The second group of people I want to pray for this morning is maybe you've become aware this morning that you do need to believe for more. Maybe you've got dreams that you put away because you recognised or you thought incorrectly that God wasn't that good. And so I want to pray for people this morning that go, Yep, that's me. I actually want to believe for more in 2018. I want to declare that God is good and see where the journey can take us. So if that's you this morning, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you to have faith. I want to pray for you to have hope. And so just while no one's looking around, I just want you to raise your hand. Come on. Father, for these, <laughs> for these amazing people across the building, Father, we declare hope in the name of Jesus. Father, we declare that you are a good God and that you have plans to prosper them, Lord. And Father, we pray that by faith, they would walk into the destiny that you have planned for them in 2018. Father, we honour their decision this morning. We honour their plans, Lord God, to push into you. We honour their decision to declare faith and belief over their life. And Father, we encourage that, Lord God. We pray that your Holy Spirit would be at work to encourage these people, Father. We pray that you'd give them strength, We pray that you would give them wisdom and we pray for breakthrough, Lord God. We pray that your Holy Spirit would anoint them powerfully to influence their world for good and for God. Father, we thank you for what you're doing. We pray you bless us this morning in Jesus' name. Come on, let's give these people a round of applause.